All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to continue our study in uh, Luke chapter 17. And we're in that section where the Lord is talking about uh, taking offense, uh, take no offense. He says um, we ought to be careful that... uh, It says here in verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Uh, We've already uh, covered a little bit about this. Talk about uh, an awareness of a brother having something against you and how to... Uh, take care of that using Matthew 18, 15 to 17 as a guideline on that. Also talked about uh, is the trespass uh, such that brings dishonor to God? Uh, definitely if it is a trespass that, that does this, that does bring dishonor to God, you, you should deal with it. You should go to that brother or sister and, and uh, get it uh, squared away. Um, so now we're coming to the uh, third point. But as I mentioned uh, when we first started this study, on um, on the offense, and the key behind everything, of course, is charity. Showing a, a spirit of charity toward those who have trespassed against you, uh, because uh, the goal, of course, when you go to rebuke a brother or a sister in Christ, uh, is not to get your pound of flesh, but rather to. Um, um, seek reconciliation, seek restoration in that relationship, and also give that uh, brother or sister an opportunity to uh, repent of the trespass. It could be that they're not even aware that they had said or done something that uh, was a trespass against you. So doing so gives them an opportunity to to deal with it. So the third point I want to talk about, and when you... Um, Go to a brother or sister who has uh, trespassed against you. Something to take into consideration is this. Uh, is the trespass uh, damaging your relationship with the person? Uh, is it something that uh, you are going to allow uh, to uh, cause you to uh, hold a, a spirit of bitterness toward them or even uh, start uh, nurturing an attitude of hatred towards them? Uh, definitely, you do not want this uh, to this occur, this occur. First Peter three eight says, uh, "Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous." Um, when we don't rebuke the trespasser, giving them an opportunity to repent and make right, then the, the situation, more often than not, uh, will just get worse. That person will uh, continue on in their ignorance and, and turn around and possibly commit that same trespass again. He'll be a repeat offender, and that's definitely something that should not be encouraged. Uh, if this occurs often enough, those who have been trespassed against, uh, they run the risk of uh, becoming embittered toward those individuals and we definitely don't want that to happen. I've seen this happen in marriages uh, sometimes. Uh, Colossians 3.19 says husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. Um, 
This can apply to both spouses in a marriage, not necessarily just the husband, uh, where each one becomes exasperated or or irritated with each other. uh, They fail to talk it through. They simply allow that that trespass to to lie, uh, you know, undealt with. And uh, it just causes bitterness. It causes uh, anger in in the home. And you just, you don't want that. And and bitterness is kind of like anger on a low heat. It just uh, sits there and it simmers all the while. Uh, the heat slowly rises until finally uh, the pot is turned over and, and someone gets burned. And we definitely, definitely don't want that to occur. Uh, we don't want uh, this trespass uh, to damage the relationship. Uh, Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Uh, the charitable thing to do is to meet privately with that individual, uh, speak to them in kindness about what they did, and uh, help them to grow as a believer. Remember, the key is is charity. You you care enough to let the tre- trespasser know, uh, giving him opportunity to to correct whatever it is uh, that occurred. Uh, now, if the one who has committed the trespass he doesn't respond uh, in kind, then that's when Matthew 18 should be followed. Remember, the goal is reconciliation and restoration in the in the relationship. Uh, a pastor years ago once said that ministry runs on the rails of relationships. So if a relationship is damaged because of an unresolved offense or an unresolved trespass, then you run the risk of that ministry, whatever ministry you're involved in, uh, can, uh, can suffer uh, because of it. Now, it's clear here in the passage that Jesus says that we are to rebuke the person uh, that trespassed against us. Um, sometimes we don't like to deal with that. I mean, who, who really uh, enjoys confrontation? But uh, Jesus is saying this not so that there is confrontation, but that there would be uh, restoration take place. Now, the word rebuke is a very serious word. It's the same word that Jesus used when he rebuked the storm that threatened to drown him and the disciples in the boat. It's the same word that Jesus used when he, when he rebuked the devils as he cast them out of the, the, uh, their victims. So to me, this, uh, this means that the trespass, whatever it may be, uh, is one uh, worthy of a serious dealing with, uh, something that is worthy of, of a rebuke of this, of this level. Now, uh, just to be honest, uh, we all know folks who, who seem to be easily offended. It's like they walk around with a, a chip precariously balanced on their shoulder, almost daring anyone to come and, and type and topple it off. And, you know, so it's, it can be a very tricky situation. You know, when Paul was writing about uh, charity, he said, he said here in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, about charity that it does not behave itself unseemly, uh, seeketh not her own, is not easily 
provoked. Now we've kind of looked at that word provoked in a way. It simply means to become exasperated, to simmer or burn with anger, to be irritated. We kind of looked at that when we, I gave the example of the husband and the wife. Um, honestly, if you are easily provoked, uh, if you are easily offended, this could be a symptom of immature love on your part. Uh, an immature love is a love uh, more focused on one's own self-importance uh, rather than what is really important. First uh, Peter 4.8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You see, immature love that's easily provoked says it's all about me. While mature love, well, what it's seeking after is reconciliation. It's seeking after restoration and unity. It's, it's seeking that bond of perfectness that, ba- that Paul speaks about in Colossians 3, 13 through 14. So when you do uh, come to the place where you need to uh, go and, and rebuke someone, um, let me give you a few things to, to take into consideration uh, if, you have to, if you find yourself in such a place. Uh, first of all, when you uh, when you go to you know if you find yourself in a situation where you need to go and and rebuke another believer um, I would suggest that you uh, examine yourself first and uh, kind of do what Matthew 7 5 says and if you've got a log in your eye deal with that log in your eye before you you go to your your brother or sister Matthew 7 5 says uh, thou hypocrite uh, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye now the reason why I, I use this passage is because um there are certain folks, uh, and I know you know some of them, I know a few, who believe that uh, they are justified in trespassing against others, but don't you dare trespass against them in the same way, right? So that's why you need to do this this uh, examination of yourself. Uh, there are folks who, who are able to counter with five of your offenses or trespasses to every one trespass you have with them. So uh, you just don't want to be that type of person. So I would I would recommend that first of all you, you do a heart check. Um, this will better prepare you when you when you speak to that person, um, perhaps uh, you find yourself guilty as they were guilty. Maybe you've trespassed in a similar way with someone else. And, and so I think that this would help you to, to relate better to the one that you need to speak with. You know, you kind of walk in their shoes a little bit. And so you're able to, to better perhaps communicate to them. Remember, uh, we're not in it to keep score or settle the score, uh, but we're in it to restore a relationship that is at risk due to a trespass. Uh, we want to we want to fix that that issue, uh, not go in there and and you know get our pound of flesh on something. Uh, something else that uh, you might want to do, and this kind of goes along with with uh, what I just said. Uh, check your motives before God first. Um, this is to make sure that that your desire is to do His will, that you're. 
seeking uh, restoration rather than uh, going about uh, for some sort of personal revenge. Uh, again, Galatians 6.1 about considering thyself, lest thou be tempted or, or be the cause of offense. You know, that's something that, you know, many folks uh, may not even consider or even, you know, think about. Hon- honestly, there's some folks, um, they get on their high horse of self-righteousness and, and they gallop, gallop off to, to smite the offender. You don't want to do that. That's not, that's not, the, that's not the purpose of the rebuke, uh, nor is that the, the right spirit that we are to um, exercise, uh, if, especially in, a, in something that's serious enough that you have to uh, go and speak to someone about something. You know, you have to go and, and, and get these things right. Again, I, I, I repeat myself, the objective is reconciliation, and it's not retaliation. So check your motives. You know, make sure your motive is clean before God before you go. Uh, another thing uh, you might want to consider before you go to to speak to someone who has um, committed a trespass against you that's serious enough that uh, you need to address them on it, that you need to rebuke them, if you will, uh, pray for the other person's openness. Pray for their understanding in regards to, you know, their trespass against you. Uh, and also uh, pray for the right words. So pray about the thing, you know. Make sure you, you pray for that person you're getting ready to talk to and, and and pray for your own self that you you know you have the that God gives you the right words I mean Ephesians 4:15 says uh, speaking the truth in love uh, speaking the truth in love and, and that's really what we want to do we, again the, the key is charity it's love and yeah you have to go and you have to deal with someone about something and you want to be you want to deal with the truth but the, you don't have to beat them over the head with it you don't have to you know whip out that sword and hack hack them to pieces. No, you want to deal with it in love. You want to deal with it in charity. Uh, Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So again, you don't want to go out there and you you don't want to just, you know, whack them. Uh, You want to go out there and you want to bring about restoration. You want to to have a tongue of, of, of wisdom that's going to bring about restoration. You know, this is health. This is what we're looking for. We're looking to, to, to help them in this situation. So how we approach people who have trespassed against us, uh, often the key to the situation is, you know, approaching them uh, with this concern, with, with wanting to get these things resolved, uh, not wanting to create an enemy, uh, but to win back a, a friend. Um, it's already an unpleasant situation. And, uh, you know, if we approach it half-cocked and loaded for bear, that's only going to make it more unpleasant. Uh, yeah, you, could, you need to be firm, but at the same time, you need to be kind as well. So, you know, you pray about it. You pr- prepare yourself to act with, with charity. Even, even if the other person doesn't respond in kind, you still want to uh, keep your own self uh, clean in this matter. Um, you know, there are honestly times when you are sincere. There are times when you are kind. There are times when you are all prayed up. And when you approach this person who has uh, committed this trespass against you that is that is 
worthy of a, of a rebuke, uh, sometimes they, they turn ugly on you. Uh, you can't help that. Uh, you, really, you really can't help that. You have no control over their, over their feelings or their emotions. Uh, if that person is not going to be right with God, uh, they're not going to be right with you. That's just, that's just the reality of the whole thing. Uh, you could have them stand there and, and call you every name in the book. Uh, uh, but again, it's, it's not their reaction that is key here. It's, it's your response. It's your reproach. I mean, if you've done the biblical thing and, and, and have made the effort in this situation and have done what is required and still no repentance on the part of the trespasser has, has occurred, uh, then step back and allow God to step in. Sometimes it comes to that. It really does. Uh, The important thing is that you are obedient to God's word. You did the right thing. You went to the person to to uh, speak to them about this 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 issue. Uh, if they don't respond in kind, uh, be assured, God sees this. He he saw you. He sees your heart. He sees how you handled it. And uh, honestly, uh, if if the other individual doesn't respond uh, as they should have, then God will handle it in His way and in His time. I have seen this happen so many times uh, where uh, somebody has gone to somebody, spoke to them, uh, tried to get the thing resolved. The other person is obstinate for whatever their reasons were. Um, The individual who went to them, they did everything they could, so they had to just kind of step back. And I have seen God uh, take those folks who do not want to repent, take those folks who do not want to get these things resolved, and I've seen God's uh, hand of chastisement on them. Again, God's hand of chastisement is not so much to punish them, but rather to bring them to the place where they repent and they and they become restored. Now, if it's a matter of the law of the land, if you've gone to the pastor and it's it's a it's a matter of the law of the land, then it may be Romans 13 kicks in, and and if the trespasser uh, fails to repent, uh, then maybe that individual will have to suffer the consequences of the law. But the, but that's another matter. Uh, the main thing is, is, is you try to do right, which is point four. Uh, do the right thing. Um, it's always more difficult at the moment to go than to let it go. Okay, uh, I don't like uh, confrontation. I don't like going to somebody and, and having to talk to that person. But at the same time, if I take and sweep it under the carpet, if I try to ignore it, if I don't deal with it, then it just uh, the situation just seems to get worse. Uh, biblical love demands that we put forth the effort to to make to make these things right, to to restore things. Uh, think about it. Uh, mankind had trespassed against. God, uh, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, so God made the first move to reconcile and restore that lost relationship. When God came into the garden, he called out to Adam. It was Adam that was hiding, but it was God that was, that was calling out. So uh, the purpose of rebuke is so that the 
trespasser has an opportunity to repent. That's the whole purpose of the rebuke. Uh, The person may not uh, be even aware of what they have done or what they have said. And uh, honestly, if they are serious about their relationship with you and if they're serious about their relationship with Christ, uh, when you approach them, uh, then uh, they will do right. That's also that's also been my experience. I've gone to people who have have done that, and when I've approached them in, in, a, in the right attitude, uh, they've responded to that right attitude, and things were made right, and uh, the relationship was restored. So the main thing is 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 do right. You do the right thing. Um, also, notice what Jesus sa- says here in uh, Luke seventeen three. He says, "And if he repents, forgive him." And we should always have that attitude of forgiveness about us. We should always be uh, willing to forgive someone who re- who has who has repented. But it also brings to mind what First uh, Thessalonians five twenty one says. It says, "Prove all things and hold fast that which is good." Honestly, if it's serious enough to have to confront a brother, uh, it is serious enough. Uh, for the brother to prove his sincerity uh, by repenting, you know, you know by, by uh, changing his mind about the situation, by uh, correcting his, his behavior, perhaps, or his attitude. Again, you're not doing anyone any good if you forgive them and they do nothing about uh, the trespass that caused the offense in the first place. You know, there has to be, I think, a, a time of, of proving in certain situations. Uh, a super, uh, depending upon how serious the trespass is, uh, a superficial repentance is really uh, no different than no repentance at all. And sometimes saying sorry isn't, isn't enough, you know, depending upon the seriousness of the of the trespass. Uh, sometimes it may require a, a, a correcting of something or, for instance, if they had uh, damaged your reputation, then maybe they need to go around and, and correct that as well. So, you know, it all depends on the seriousness of the trespass. Uh, honestly, there will, there will be some folks who will um, uh, use your willingness to forgive as an excuse to continue trespassing. Uh, they kind of take advantage of your, you know, of your good nature, and, and that's not helping them either. Um, in this matter of the trespass that Jesus is talking about, uh, it obviously warrants repentance, or the Lord wouldn't include it along with the forgiving. So uh, obviously there must be some signs on the part of the trespasser that... Uh, uh, yes, I'm really truly sorry for what I did, and and here let me help, and let me try to make it right, whatever that is. But again, uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, you have those hard-nosed types uh, that are that can be just as uh, offensive as the trespassers, and these uh, hard-nosed types often will demand folks uh, to jump through all sorts of hoops in order to gain their forgiveness. Now that's just being prideful. Uh, that's just flat being prideful. Uh, this is not this is not being charitable. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It rejoices in the truth. And when, and when you're making folks jump through hoops to, to earn your forgiveness, uh, you're not rejoicing in the truth. It's all about you. It's, it's that prideful situation. And you definitely don't want to get involved in that. That's something you don't want to... You don't want to, that to be um, your motive behind things. 
things. So again, it's the attitude of the heart that is key. The attitude that desires reconciliation, a, a restoration in the relationship. It's a, it's a heart attitude of charity that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, continuing on in Luke 17, 4, uh, Jesus says, And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, um, I don't know. I, I think the Lord um, said this because he, he knows the human heart. Uh, he knows that there are some who, who operate at a, at a different level. Uh, so he puts this principle on a higher level. And so I think there are some things here even that you need to uh, take into consideration uh, about uh, the brother who continually comes back to you and, and asks uh, for forgiveness, you know. Uh, first of all, I think what this tells me is uh, that the there should be no limits uh, to forgiveness uh, towards those who are truly repentant. Um, again, the key here is charity. The key is love. Uh, some folks honestly just can't help themselves. They just, you know, they just keep messing up. It could be a matter of, of immaturity or, or something like that. I, I knew a young man years and years ago who had a good, sincere heart. Uh, they, uh, they loved the Lord, but uh, he had, to put it politely, uh, dysentery of the mouth. He just uh, couldn't help himself. Uh, Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, uh, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. This young man, a believer, uh, a young believer spiritually, he was sincere, he loved the Lord, uh, he just couldn't seem to control himself uh, when it came to his tongue. And he uh, would often just blurt out with things that were uh, inappropriate and uh, that a wiser man uh, would not have said. And so <laughs> this poor young man was constantly embarrassing himself and, and embarrassing his uh, brothers in Christ. And he was always having to go about and, and apologize about something that he had said. You know, he didn't, he didn't mean it. That's just, uh, that was just an issue in his life that he had to deal with. And he was always sincere in his apology and you could tell that he was really making an effort to uh, help try to guard his tongue I mean he would be memorizing scriptures about the matter and and you know he was he was trying to do things to correct that that loose tongue of his but every once in a while he would he would express some gaff and he would you know say something offensive and so he would have to apologize for that uh, thankfully uh, for this and it was a good thing for this young believer. He had more mature brethren that would forgive him, uh, allowing him uh, the room to grow in this area. Uh, and they surrounded this young man with their example and with their rebuking and with their exhortations. And in time, this young man learned to bridle his tongue. Every once in a while, it would slip because uh, it was quite a bunking, bucking bronco for him to ride. But he learned in time uh, to get a get control of his tongue. So um, again, you know, there should be no limits to forgiveness to those who are truly repentant, who are truly making forth the effort uh, to make things right. 
Another thing to keep in consideration, uh, we need to forgive for our own uh, sanctity uh, to the Lord. We should uh, forgive uh, because of our own uh, relationship to God. Um, you know, there are those who are not so sincere about the relationship. Uh, again, that's where prove all things come in. Um, even though someone is not totally sincere and their repentance is more <laughs> more than a, a sham than really anything, uh, really it's for our own personal good, for our own personal relationship relationship with Christ uh, that we uh, forgive Uh, because uh, if we don't forgive uh, then uh, our lack of forgiveness may prove to be a stumbling block in our own walk with Christ I've already touched on the issue of bitterness and you know hatred and and you find yourself uh, murmuring and complaining against uh, against folks and you just you just don't want that attitude uh, to creep into your heart because that's going to affect you in relationships with other people it's going to affect your uh, uh, service to the Lord and ministry it's just it's just not a, a good reflection on yourself it's not a good reflection on the Lord and it's definitely not a sign of being controlled uh, by the spirit of God that dwells within us so it's it's for our own sanctity that we uh, forgive um, sometimes uh, the Christ-like thing to do is to suffer the wrong and, and go on first uh, Peter 2:21 says for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example uh, that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously and I think that's the key right there uh, let God work it out verse 24 who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed when he was laying on the cross and he said father forgive them for they know not what they do uh, he was speaking of you and me so um, I don't know what right I have to uh, hold an unforgiving spirit toward anyone Uh, I know that that's something that would just simply do damage to my own walk with the Lord so I try to be very very careful about this Now, I'm not saying this is easy but it may be the only option we have in some situations again God sees what's going on and it's an opportunity to trust in God to to work the matter out on our part Ephesians 4.30 says and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you so there again we see that that key attitude of charity that key attitude of of love that's involved in all of this Uh, it may grieve us about the individual who behaves irresponsibly but what we want to avoid is not to grieve the lord by our own heart attitude by our own unwillingness to forgive uh, by allowing that bitterness to settle into our heart Uh, again that mature love in action seeks after 
after what is truly important, and that is uh, restoration and reconciliation in the relationship. Uh, in situations like this where the person is an insincere jerk, and they're out there, uh, it's more important what's going on in our own hearts, in our own relationship with God. Make sure that that stays strong, that that stays right. And as far as your part is concerned, you keep, your, you keep the peace in the body of Christ. Don't uh, get yourself uh, caught up in a situation where you're the one that's causing discord in the body because of your uh, discontent toward a brother or sister who refuses uh, to behave correctly. Um, Again, goes back to the principle of Matthew 18. In Matthew 18:17, if you've got somebody who's going to be like this, uh, Jesus himself says, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now that's pretty serious stuff there. Uh, the very thing that you're trying to maintain may be what is affected, and you may end up having to break fellowship just to keep the peace. And there's nothing wrong with that. Second Thessalonians 3.14 says, And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So, you know, the whole reason for the shame, right? If he doesn't listen to you, for the whole reason, the whole purpose of the shame is so that he would repent, so that he would examine in his own life and that he would make things right it's to re- it's to promote repentance and repentance uh, leads back into reconciliation and the fellowship and that's the goal that's really the goal so um, hearing what Jesus taught about this and you have to admit what Jesus is saying here is well that's some meaty stuff there that's some you know that's some stuff that uh, you know that's adulthood that's a spiritual adulthood stuff that Jesus is talking about here and so hearing this uh, his disciples uh, speak up in Luke 17 5 and they say and the apostles said unto the Lord increase our faith increase our faith and the Lord said if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed you might say unto this sycamine tree be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should be and it should obey you you know, I, when I looked at that, I'm thinking, wow, that's just kind of out of the blue, isn't it? But if you take it in the context of what Jesus just taught, uh, what he had just instructed his disciples about offenses and trespasses, uh, and the level of maturity that he is expecting out of his disciples in addressing these things, uh, it would require an unusual amount of love uh, that presupposes a correspondingly unusual amount of faith to be exercised these, by these men. Uh, often you read in the Bible where faith and charity are closely linked together in our relationship with God and others. For example, in Second Thessalonians 1.3, it says, uh, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or fitting, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. What that tells me is that as faith groweth exceedingly, then 
one's charity, one's love should correspond with that faith and it should also abound. I mean, this is a scriptural expectation. Uh, As one's faith in God increases, as one's uh, knowledge of God increases, uh, then one's love should also correspondingly grow along with one's faith. Uh, These disciples of Jesus, I believe, were absolutely right in their uh, assessment about themselves. They they had heard what Jesus uh, had just taught, and they recognized that they were currently unequal uh, to the task that Jesus had just taught them, and therefore what they were asking of Jesus was, please uh, give us the faith to live up to what you just taught us. That's smart. That's, I mean, kudos to these men for recognizing uh, that in their own strength, that right now where they were in their walk with God, uh, they couldn't possibly live up to the principles that Jesus just taught them. Uh, The same is is true of us. Uh, Irregardless of how much you might know of the Bible or how talented or how gifted you are, none of us can live the Christian life as it should should be lived without God's help. And it would be foolish to try to live this kind of life in the flesh. It's much wiser to ask God for the help to live this kind of life, because that's the only way it's going to be done with God's help. Uh, the, the disciples asked for an increase of faith. Uh, this word simply means to add to their faith. Uh, this reminded me of what uh, he said, Jesus said back in Matthew 6.27, He says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Uh, the, The truth that Jesus taught was... It's not the uh, amount of faith or an increase of faith that they needed, but the strength of one's faith, the, the quality of one's faith, the commitment of one's faith in a God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, Jesus is not saying, it's, it, he's not teaching it's the, it's the quantity that's needed. It's the quality. It's the quality. And, he notice he uses a mere grain of mustard seed. Uh, he talks about a mustard seed uh, as far as faith is concerned. Uh, so just as the tiniest of seeds contains the potential of great growth, so also one's faith in the power of God has the potential for great growth spiritually. Uh, these men have witnessed this strength. They have witnessed this quality of faith uh, that they were asked for and others, and others that had come to Jesus in their time of need. Uh, For example, uh, the friends of the man with palsy who uh, broke up the roof of the house where Jesus was was abiding in. Uh, The reason why they broke that roof up was so that they could lower their friend on a pallet into his presence. This was mustard seed type of faith displayed by these men. Uh, Jesus' comment in Luke 5.21 is and when he saw their faith he said unto him man thy sins are forgiven thee Uh, these men uh, showed that kind of faith that these disciples uh, were asking for Uh, then you've got the centurion who asked Jesus to heal his beloved servant and that Jesus didn't need to come to his house to do so Uh, he understood he believed that Jesus had the authority uh, to just simply speak 
speak the word and his servant would be healed. This is mustard seed quality of faith. Jesus commented about this centurion. He said in Luke 7, 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This centurion displayed this this mustard seed type of faith, this quality of faith that these disciples were asking after. And then you've got um, the woman who was off the street who um, braved the uh, condescending glare of the Pharisees uh, when she came into the house and and washed the feet of Jesus with her tears and and dried them with her hair in heartfelt gratitude. She braved these uh, uh, self-righteous Pharisees just to show her appreciation uh, to Jesus for for, uh, something that he had done for her or something that he had said to her that, that gave her new life. This again is that mustard seed quality of faith uh, Jesus in Luke seven fifty says he said to the woman thy faith hath saved thee go in peace the very thing that she came in uh, looking for he sent her sent her out with this, this peace that mustard seed of faith uh, then they certainly would have seen this type of faith in the woman uh, with the issue of blood I mean she pressed through the crowd to what to just touch the hem of his garment that's all she wanted to do. She had that faith that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And of course, Jesus in late Luke 8, 48, uh, he turns around and he looks at her and he says to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Uh, go in peace. Life is in the seed. Life is in the seed. And what Christ looks for is a faith that produces evidence of this life. So it's not uh, more faith that these uh, uh, disciples were asking after. It was a quality of faith uh, that that they were desiring. It is a quality of faith uh, that produces the fruit that is in harmony with what one professes they believe. There is life in the seed. It's life in that seed. So it wasn't an increase of faith that was needed, but rather faith of a higher quality. Uh, The faith that dared to break up a roof to gain access. The faith that submitted to his authority, understanding how authority operated. The faith that braved persecution in order to express their love to him. And the faith to press against that which prevented someone from reaching out to touch him. It is this quality of faith that uproots trees and replants them in the sea. If one has such a uh, such quality of faith, uh, then you will be able to forgive. Then you will be able to live a holy life. Then you will be able to love at the level required of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, which is far more important than going about uprooting sycamine trees. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and and for the the many examples in your word about folks who had uh, this mustard seed quality of faith, Father. Uh, What the Lord teaches is a a caliber of living that is way beyond our uh, ability to, to, to live.